a new year to stand with you, a new year to be upheld by your hand, a new year, Lord Jesus, you've brought to us. Help us to use it for your honor, for your glory, for your kingdom, that we might see the fullness of life as we follow you. Lord Jesus, we've come to worship you. We open our hearts to you. We open our minds to you. We ask that you would come and meet with us. Thank you for being here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning's scripture lesson comes from Joshua chapter 2. And of course, in Joshua, we have the whole story of Jericho, which is why the countdown timer talked about Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. Wasn't that awesome? I don't know about you. That just always lifts me up to remember that God is a God of the impossible. That, that, that city was impossible to take. The Israelites had no hope of overtaking it except by the power of the Almighty God. And it's a wonderful story, isn't it? Uh, because the, the battle plan was so foolish in our eyes. You know, march around the, you know, just march around the city, march around the city, march around the city. And then the last day, the seventh day, march around seven times and blow the trumpets and yell, and the walls came down. Isn't that awesome? Do you understand that's the God we serve? A God who can do all those things? Uh, yesterday, I sat with a family whose, whose daughter had uh, disappeared and had called, and it really sounded like she was going to um, kill herself. That's what it sounded like. And we prayed, and I thought, God, this is impossible. What do you do? I mean, a person in that situation is confused, and, and there's nothing we can do. She wouldn't answer her phone. How, 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 do, we, how do we deal with this? What, what, what can be done? And there was nothing we could do except rely on the power of the Almighty God. And he stepped in, and he brought her home. Isn't that awesome? Doesn't that give you chills? Don't you understand? That's the God we serve. Whatever your struggle this morning, whatever your trial, whatever you face this morning, we serve a God who is able. Put your faith in Him and watch. He loves you very much. This morning in our Scripture lesson, we come to that moment when the spies go into Jericho before the battle. And they're, they're spying out the city to see what would be the best way to take it. And, and in chapter 2, verse 1, we read, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the land, the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them, she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. 
Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when, the, when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Shehan and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. What scares you? Does anybody recognize that picture, by the way? If you're a Disney fan, you probably know. It's from the movie Inside Out, and that is that uh, poor person's fear. What makes you afraid? Um, I I heard a sermon one time, uh, uh, and it was a lay preacher, and I I really appreciated this guy. He just loved the Lord, and... uh, you know, he talked where everybody was. You know, I like a preacher like that. I, I try to do that. I hope, I hope you're able to hear that in, in me. But I'll never forget because he got up and he, he was going to talk about fear. And he says, I, I want to talk about fear this morning. He says, and there are a number of things I'm afraid of. He says, I'm afraid of heights. He says, I'm afraid of water. He said, I'm afraid of my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought, okay, I, I get this guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, there are all kinds of things that bring fear into our lives, isn't there? Um, I, I sit with people frequently who are afraid, and rightly so in many ways. Um, the situation in which they are in um, necessitates almost a, a, a fear within them. They they look around, and a lot of it happens when there's nothing I can do about it, right? I don't know about you, but that's when I become most afraid, when there's nothing I can do. The child sits there with cancer. The, the friend has has run away and don't know where they are. The parent, the parent has become abusive. And I can't do anything about it. How do you respond in those situations? I, I, I become afraid. What, what, what can I do? I can't do anything. I, and my, my hands almost want to go up until I remember. Until the Lord says once again from his scripture very clear that all I need to fear is God himself. For the scripture tells us in Psalm 111, 
The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of, do you remember that? The beginning of wisdom, the beginning of understanding. And as I put my trust in Jesus, then I begin to remember that if he is for us, who could stand against us? That he is God with us, Emmanuel. And so I get on my knees and I pray. What about you? And when the fear doesn't go away, I get back down on my knees and I pray and I pray and I pray because I know, I know that God is faithful. I have seen it over and over and over again. Jesus came to bring us peace. He's the Prince of Peace, is he not? Isn't that what he is proclaimed as in the prophet Isaiah? Wonderful God, mighty counselor, everlasting father, Prince of Peace. And our world cowers in fear over all kinds of things. They lock their doors. They lock their hearts. They lock their lives for fear. And they hide. And Jesus calls us in the midst of their fear to bring his peace, to really be a neighbor, to love them, to love those who are so afraid to love our neighbors. Now, here at Greenfield, we're all about loving neighbors because we're all about neighbors. We have have come to the conclusion that God has called us to be neighbors, to make neighbors, and to build God's neighborhood. Can you say that with me? Just so it helps you remember a little bit so that this week when you're walking through the fear-laden streets of Greenfield Township or Erie, Pennsylvania, or, or perhaps that metropolis, Wattsburg, that as you're moving through, or, or if you're with Mark, sliding around the road, you can... You can uh, call upon this thought of neighborhood and see those around you as neighbors because we are called to what? Be neighbors. Say it with me. Be neighbors. Make neighbors. And build God's neighborhood. Now watch out because the question that that man asked of Jesus, that lawyer man, by the way, asked of Jesus, was, who is my neighbor? You remember that, right? And Jesus tells him that wonderful story of the Good Samaritan who came upon this man who'd been beat up, and, and because that man was beat up, the Samaritan, although the religious people had gone on the other side, the Samaritan stopped and took care of the man, put him on his donkey, took him to, his, to an inn, made sure he was taken care of, and, and said he'd come back and pay for everything. He did it all for this man. And then Jesus asked the question, who was neighbor to whom? (laughs) And of course, the the lawyer didn't want to say, well, obviously the Samaritan. So he said, the man who had compassion on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Have compassion on our world. Now, it always fascinates me who Jesus picks 
to be a neighbor. Because frequently, I, I would think that Jesus would pick uh, the best of the best and, and the nicest of the nice. But, but Jesus tends to pick people who are the least of the least. Some would even say perhaps the, the worst of the worst. But our God in his wonderful mercy and grace takes those people and makes them neighbors. And he shows us how he does that. He does that by being neighbors to them. And when you do that, you incur a risk, don't you? If you're going to be a neighbor to anybody in Greenfield Township, you take a risk. You don't know how they're going to respond. You may know who they are. You may know where they come from. But you still don't know how they will respond when you respond as a neighbor. Jesus sat around with his disciples that last night. Being more than a neighbor. We'll talk a little bit more about that a little later on. But I want you to see that he was a neighbor to the one who would betray him. Didn't matter to Jesus. Well, it, it didn't matter. It did matter that he would betray him, but it didn't matter to him in the way he would respond to Judas. Still shared his love with Judas. You see that? Isn't that amazing? It just amazes me. Our world tells us to fear our neighbor because you never know. You don't know who they are. And, and of course, in the hysteria of the last year, it becomes worse and worse, right? Uh, you don't know who they are, what they might do, how they might respond. And it's true, we don't know. But we know how Jesus would respond. And what Jesus calls us to do. In our scripture passage this morning, I haven't forgotten. And we got three minutes, so we're good. Actually, I figured it out. Christmas Eve, we were done 10 minutes early. I have 13 minutes just to be. <laughs> Isn't that how that works? Someone said, doesn't Dan get the extra time? No. <laughs> just want to be clear about that. I want you to think about this neighbor. Her name was Rahab. They call her Rahab the prostitute. As a matter of fact, uh, through most of Scripture, she's referred to as Rahab the prostitute. Except, except in that one spot. Do you you know where she's not referred to as Rahab the prostitute? It's in Matthew chapter 1, when she is referred to as one of the precedents of Jesus, that it was through her line that Jesus would arrive. I want you to think about that a minute. We label people all the time. I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but we label people in all different kinds of ways. And we often label ourselves. We label them with with labels that, that... pigeonhole them, that put them in a corner, that disgrace them. And Jesus washes right through all those and removes those labels from us. That's what a neighbor does, by the way. Removes those labels and sees us just as we are a human being whom he loves very much. I don't know what label you wear, but let me remind you that that label is only temporary and that Jesus, especially if that label comes with sin attached to it, Jesus wants to take that label away from you and set you free to be who he created you to be. None of this has anything to do with what I planned on saying. 
but, but I hope you hear the grace of Jesus this morning, what he has really done. Rahab, the prostitute, who becomes a part of God's family. Isn't that awesome? That's what Jesus wants to do for us. That's what he's done for those of us who have decided to follow him. He's taken the label off. I'm no longer David the sinner, although I still sin. I know I'm a sinner, but he has come and he's removed that. He's forgiven that. I am now David, the child of God. I, I don't deserve it. I can't believe it, but that's what he's done. He's picked me out of all you sinners. He picked me out. He wants to pick you out too. He's waiting for you to say yes to him so you can be his child, child of the almighty God. That's what I am. Don't mess with me, by the way. My father's God. (laughs) And he loves you very much. He loved Rahab so much that Rahab began to realize what it meant to be a neighbor. And first of all, it means that you protect them. If you're a neighbor, you protect your neighbor. You protect them. You you watch out for them. You care for them. You you, you make sure they're watched over. Rahab hides the... the, um, the spies. She hides them. D- despite the putting herself at great risk, she's willing to, to hide them up on the roof and, and to even protect them from the king's messengers when they come to take the spies away. She takes a great chance. She risks her life. Why? Because she wants to protect them. She has included them as a neighbor to her. She wants to make sure they're safe. And taken care of. You know what? She understands that that is what love is about. In 1 Corinthians 13, we read, For love it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. If you love someone, you protect them. She sits down with them. She not only hides them, but she gives them an escape route to make sure they would be safe. We have neighbors all around us that need to be protected. They're afraid. They're afraid of people around them. They're afraid of where their life is headed. They're afraid of their, their relationships. They're afraid. Many are afraid of their children. And they need the peace of God. They, they actually need the salvation of God. They need that plan of, of escape. And you have it. Are you willing to share it with your neighbor? Are you willing to really protect them? Are you willing to look through their labels? You know, uh, she didn't see them as Israelites. She saw them as people who needed to be protected. They didn't see her as a prostitute. They saw her as someone who could help them. How do people see you, by the way? How do your neighbors see you? They, they see you as someone who's mean, nasty, ugly, and if they step on your property, you're going to shoot them? Of course not. Or do they see you as someone where if they needed help, they could call? Do they see you as someone who cares so much about them that you're willing to share with them the escape route God has prepared for them? Are you willing to protect your neighbor. 
Rahab was willing to protect them. Second of all, uh, she serves them. She, she makes sure they have a place to stay. She makes sure they're taken care of. She serves them. You know, what's amazing to me is that Jesus, when he showed the disciples the full extent of his love, the scripture says in the Gospel of John, this is what he did. He took off his outer garment and he poured water into a basin and he went around and he washed their feet. You see, to really be a neighbor, you have to be willing to serve your neighbor. The, the good Samaritan had to be willing to stop and take care of the man. He couldn't just walk by. When your neighbor is in need, what do you do? Send a card, say, I'm sorry, you're in need. Or do you take off your outer garment, walk over, knock on the door and say, hey, I'm here to serve you. What can I do for you? Jesus said this. He said, the world tries to show you their power by lording it over you. He said, that's what the Gentiles do. Uh, they show you how powerful they are by, by showing you that they can make you do what they want you to do. But he says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant really want to be great, then take off the shoes you have and give it to someone who doesn't have them. Step out of your comfort zone and begin to minister to your neighbor in ways that you never, ever thought you could or would. Maybe God's calling you to a neighbor a long way away, a neighbor in another country or in another uh, uh, city, and he's calling you to minister, to serve. Maybe God's calling you to someone in another block a couple miles from you. Someone you know who has desperate need and has no hope. And you could come and serve them. Maybe, maybe it's someone in your own house. You want to be great? You want to have power? Serve somebody. Serve somebody. Show them what a neighbor is really all about. That's what a neighbor does. They're all about serving. And you know why? Because Jesus has come and served them, served us. He's come and washed us. He washed our feet. And he gives us an opportunity every day to experience his grace and his mercy, his forgiveness and his love. And we do that by sharing that with somebody else. And it's an incredible opportunity, incredible gift. Won't you serve somebody? Not only does she protect them and serves them, but she offers her life. And they offer theirs. This is the greatest gift that you can give. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, but that they lay down their life for another. They actually give their life. Jesus also said, if you want to be my disciple, you must what? Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me, he says. In other words, if you really want to live a life of a neighbor, you stop living for yourself and you start living for Jesus. You give up your life and begin to live his life. It's a whole different perspective on life. You begin to live to serve, live to love, live to offer someone else the gift of life. That's what this year should be all about, by the way. Living to give your life 
for Jesus because he gave his life for you. He offered his life to you. And the best thing about that whole process is his life is so much better than yours. Did you know that? Because when you try to live your life in your own strength, in your own way, in your own abilities, what you'll find is you'll fall short every time. It's never quite good enough. It's never quite fun enough. It's never quite fulfilling enough. But when you start living for Jesus, you hear him whisper in your ear, I love you, and what you do is incredible. And you hear him whisper in your ear, it's going to be okay because I walk with you. And he whispers in your ear, I want you to know, nothing is impossible if you put your trust in me. And so as you begin to trust him and walk in his way and in his life, he gives you his life. A life full of fulfillment. A life full of peace. A life that changes not just you, but your neighbor. How are you going to live this year? I hope you live like Rahab the prostitute, who's no longer the prostitute but a child of God. I hope you live like her, a neighbor, that you would be one that your neighbors would look to and say, there's my neighbor. And they led me to the greatest neighbor of all, the Lord Jesus. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for our time together and just for a chance to be in your presence, to be reminded of your protection, to be reminded of your service, to be reminded of your life. Lord Jesus, come. Help us to be more like you. Lord, for those who came this morning without a relationship with you, may today... They hear how you have a life for them that that would be filled with joy, filled with peace, filled with hope, filled with strength, filled with forgiveness and grace. Come, Lord Jesus, fill us with your presence that we might walk this year with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So a closer examination.